Episode 125 of the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, COB. It's me, Teddy Flower. And today we're joined by... Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn. Talk out time, By the way, Talking Bollocks is a great name. I should be right up. I mean, I should, I'm your perfect guest. <laughs> We've been hearing this for three years now. Exactly. Two and a half years, everyone's like, Eddie Hearn is your man. There you go. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming in, Eddie. This is something that we've uh, at the start of the year in January. You know, we uh, we kind of set like guests that we wanted for the year, and your name was in that mix. Okay. So having you here is a bit weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Considering like how the fuck did this happen? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just before we go anywhere, I want to give a quick shout out to Omega Fashion as well for sorting us out with the clubber and stuff like that. So shout out to the boys. But anyways, Eddie, how's things? How are you keeping? Yeah, really good, mate. I mean, look, I can't believe we're finally here mm. for a Katie Taylor fight week. You know, we, we've kind of done it. In reverse, mm. she probably should have debuted in Ireland. She should have fought for her first world title in Ireland, and now she comes back for the first time, like in the pinnacle of her career, in the toughest fight of her career. But I'm just glad we're here. The buzz in the city is fantastic. It's the first day today of fight week, and just excited, excited for her, excited for the fight, excited for the atmosphere, excited for a lot of young fighters on the card as well who. As Irish fighters, this is their first opportunity, really, to box in the big show at home. Yeah. So it feels like a you know a real pivotal moment for the sport here. Yeah. We've had Keeve and the Jacko, obviously, on the podcast previous as well. Thomas Carty's fighting on it yeah. as well. So Gary Cully, shout out to Gary as well. So there's some huge names in, in Irish uh, boxing fighting on the card as well. So we're buzzing. But the start of every podcast, Eddie, we do a thing called Zingers, yeah? And it's an either-or or a would-you-rather, yeah? Okay. Have you got one for us, no? What, either or? An either or or a would you rather, whatever yeah, you want. It's like a little icebreaker we do with the company. Okay, either or Conor McGregor or Katie Taylor. Oh, right. So, <laughs> you need to relax there, I've got to get the first of all, Eddie. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you went straight in there, yeah? Oh, yeah, not me- no messing, huh? Yeah. What do we do with that one? It has to be Kate. It has to be Kate. Yeah. It has to be. There's no disrespect, that. But Conor won't mind, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That's the problem. I've not, not ever met anyone who doesn't love Katie Taylor. Yeah. So there you go. I think he'd probably say Katie as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Do you know what I mean? Have you got a zinger? Best export from this country she is. You know, yeah. like, as you said, it's just a shame that it's taken this long, but I suppose it's better late than never. She's Absolutely. actually getting the homecoming. Yeah, exactly. Um, my zinger was for you, Eddie, right? Would you rather do one round with Jake Paul or three rounds with Simon Jordan? <laughs> That's a great zinger, by the way. I mean, definitely the three rounds with Simon Jordan yeah. because I'd win. Yeah, <laughs> but, and I wouldn't win. I'll, I'll probably get knocked out against Jake Paul. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I'd have a good go. One round might be good for me. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But nah, three minutes, three rounds with, with with Simon. Yeah, it could be a slow process. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think of Jake Paul? Um, I don't like. I think he can be a bit of a um, <laughs> bit of a prat sometimes, mm. but I think he's very smart. And I like the way he's dedicated himself to the sport. Like, whatever you think of him. Like, he's he's better than fighters I've had on my shows mm. in the away corner, right? So, in that respect, the great thing about boxing is there's no barriers to entry. Mm. You guys tomorrow could turn up and say, oh, I'm going to start fighting, go down the amateur club, go through the process. And, and everyone, the fact that he's built a platform and gone in at a top level and started earning loads of dough, tough shit. I hate the thing where fighters say, oh, it's a joke. You know, I've been working for years and like grafting my bollocks off and, and he's just strolled straight in and made five million. He ain't strolled in anywhere. He's built the platform, built the profile and enabled himself to go into anything he wants. 
he's chose to go into probably the toughest sport in the world. Yeah. But he's dedicating himself to it. So he can fight a little bit. Like he's a strong, strong kid. He's limited. But I think he's good for the sport. I think he's, you know, when I watched that Misfits the other day, yeah, you know, the YouTube stuff, it's become so farcical that it's good because it separates itself widely from boxing. Yeah. But they're all characters and personalities. You know, I'm watching them ring walk and they're coming out doing these dances and like most of them are like, I mean, yeah, not my cup of tea. But <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at them going, but you're entertaining. And fighters have to understand they have to be entertaining too, not just with their fists, mm. but you have to bring out their personality and everybody... You, you need people to have an opinion on everybody. Yeah, and that's the thing now, especially with social media. It's like you, talent will only get to so far now. You need to have a persona. You need to be like even the smack talking in press conferences and you need to give like an insight to who you are as a person and even maybe as a character because that's what draws the box office views. That's what pays for the tickets and that's what you need to be in the modern day game really, isn't it? Yeah, I think in everything, like in every sport, you've, you've seen sport thrive with personalities through eras. You know, and boxing's the same. And but sport has become a little bit robotic, yeah. Because there's so much money at stake, so it's all about getting your sleep. You know, eating this, doing that, three sessions a day, going into the hyperbaric chamber, having an ice bottle. Like, whereas back in the day, you look football particularly. Yeah, you go on the they used to turn up legless yeah, for yeah. the game, like hungover yeah, from yeah. the night before. Yeah. Mental when you think about it. Yeah. But they were characters, and and you you need that in sport. And um, Everyone's different. I mean, Conor McGregor is probably the greatest character in combat sports. But Katie is Katie. Yeah. A, you, you ain't got to be loud and just outspoken, but you've got to have people who've got to have an opinion on you. And Katie is the quiet one. Mm. You know, she's the humble one. That's fine. You need them as well. And Conor McGregor is the lunatic, <laughs> you know, but that that's every everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that Misfits boxing card. What do you think of that bleeding knuckle? KSI. That was a clear elbow, wasn't it? I mean, like, but... Uh, Joe Fournier, I actually spoke to him over text. He wasn't very happy with my comments because I said, I thought he was going to get knocked out anyway. Yeah. And it was an elbow, but who cares? And, you know, Coogan went to me, yeah, apparently he's going to appeal it. I'm like, to who? <laughs> yeah. Like, who are you going to appeal that to? And he came on to me and said, no, it was, it was an elbow. I said, well, no, it was. But in my opinion, you were going to get knocked out. But I don't think it was a deliberate elbow. I just don't really think he knows what he's doing. And he's yeah. thrown a shot and he's missed him and he's, you know. Like, yeah. But it was a bad one. It was it a bad was, one. Was a naughty, <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty elbow. Yeah. yeah. So I have a zinger for you, yeah? What fight would you love to see from a fighter present and a fighter from the past? Any fight? Um, like, right now, I, I want to see AJ against Wilder. You know, I think I think that's a great fight. Mm. Like, two really explosive heavyweights. It's a fight we've wanted to see for a long time. And I think of the past, you know, people always talk about Mike Tyson against Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know, and if you watch Muhammad Ali, you realise how good his chin was. Like he was, don't, like everyone thinks about Ali with his movement and, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He was so tough. He had the most unbelievable chin. And obviously Tyson punches so, so hard. Mm. But there's always that debate about who wins. And, and for me, it's Muhammad Ali because, mm. because of how tough he was, you know. Who wins the AJ World for you? I'm always going to back AJ. I just yeah. feel like, you know, people say, oh, AJ's a bit tentative now. He's No, he's just more calculated in what he does. And that's a good thing against Deontay Wilder. Yeah. You don't really want to go in and make it a 50-50 by just trading up. Because if you get hit by Wilder, it's all that's over. It. Yeah, it's but to be fair, if AJ chins Wilder, it's all over as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But yeah. if you box him and you don't get caught and you box smart, yeah, that's it. You're actually, ever, that's yeah. a good tactic. And I yeah. think that's where AJ's at. Yeah. People talk about, you know, he's tentative and he's not. He's just 
become more wise. Like Vladimir Klitschko got stopped a couple of times and then adapted a style to win fights. Yeah. yeah. You know? So he's not going to go in there anymore with his chin in the air and just trade up all the time. Yeah. yeah. How far are we from that, Eddie, do you think? Well, they want, it to, they want it to happen in December. You know, Saudi Arabia want it to happen. I've done a couple of fights with them. When they want it, generally it happens. Mm. Um, it's going to take a lot of money. They've got a lot of money. Yeah. But it's one of the biggest fights of all time. So, you know, we're, we're keen to make it happen. Yeah. Mm. We, we mentioned Simon Jordan earlier, yeah? He always has something to say about boxing. Mm. Like, it's nothing but violence. Yeah. It's this, that, and the other. What's your take on that? What's, what's your response to that? What do you think the benefits... Well, obviously, we know what the benefits are, but what's your take on the benefits of boxing to shut these kind of people? Well, what I don't like about people's opinions like that, they haven't experienced it. Mm. I'm not talking about fighting. I'm talking about being around it. So has Simon Jordan been to an amateur boxing club in the community? No. Mm. You boys know. Go and have a look at the kids in there. What would they be up to if they weren't in there like yeah. week in, like day in, day out? But they'd be out causing trouble. They'd be in a gang. They'd be out hanging out at the end around shops. They'd be carrying weapons. Like it just walking through the doors of a boxing club is not just about trying to become a championship fighter. It's about learning things that are important in life. Discipline, respect, manners, you know, good for your mental health, physical health, teamwork, mixing with different people. And I send, you know, I've got two daughters. I send them to the boxing club. Mm. And it's so good for them. And it's, it's, it's actually really changed their personality, how they work at school, you know, the way they apply themselves to other sports. They're less trappy. They have more respect. Mm. You know, the other day I was in a, the boxing gym in Brentwood where my youngest daughter goes. And she was talking away to her mate during the, you know, some of the warm-up and exercises. And there's this old boy down there. He's like 90 years old, the coach. She's like, wait, you two, we ain't here to talk. And she, my, my daughter's like, oh. And then they, they carried on talking, right? And I was watching. I had the hump. Mm. And he went, right, everyone stop. The whole club. And he went, I want everyone in here to get down and give me 20 press-ups. Apart from you two my daughter and her friend who were talking. And the reason you're all doing press-ups is because these two have been talking. So you lot have got to suffer because of them. I was like, well, this is a bit harsh. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. She's like going, oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> and they're on the floor doing 20 press-ups, get up and then say, right, don't do that again. And I was like, this is what kids need. Yeah. You know? Because kids now, they think everything comes easy. They just see something on social media, they want it. You know, Instagram life, is, which is a complete load of bollocks. Mm. And... I really worry about the next generation, especially as a parent. But when they go in there, I watch her. She comes out after an hour and a half, like in bits, like sweating, naked. And I just think, good work. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No phone. Yeah. Good work. Yeah, well yeah. done. And the, the value of what you can learn in there. So those people that talk about, oh, boxing, this, boxing, they ain't got a clue. Yeah. You know, like they've not been into any inner city areas. They don't know what the clubs can do for the community. And you speak to every fighter and ask them, what did boxing do for you? Yeah. It changed my life. That that that's what everyone will say. Yeah. You know? God knows where they'd be if they hadn't got exactly. it. Yeah. Um look, with every guest, Eddie, we like them to take us back to the start, where they're from and what life was like growing up. But before we do that, I have to ask you a very important question. We ask every guest this and I need an honest answer, are we? Do you piss in the shower? Yeah. Right, fair enough. Honest, who don't? Yeah. <laughs> no. no, but who don't? I mean, yeah. I don't believe any... I, I do not believe that anybody doesn't. If they're saying that, they're lying. So we have a saying on I mean, not, e not every shower. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. We have a saying, so there's two types of people in the world. There's people that piss in the shower and there's lawyers. Yeah, so yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so as Terence was saying, Eddie, if you can just take us back to the start, where you're from, what was life like growing mm. up? Mm. So I was born in Essex. I've yeah. been an Essex boy all my life. Um, my dad's from Dagenham, which is like sort of East London borders. His dad was a bus driver. He came from a council estate in Dagenham. Not really a lot of money. Obviously, did very well for himself. As I was born, he started to make quite a bit of money, liked to spend his money, liked to spoil his kids. But at the same time, was petrified that I was going to be the kid that he hated growing up, which was like the spoiled rich kid. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I had a, a very uh, privileged upbringing, but at the same time, driven and 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 sort of hammered into me about working hard, you know, he'd take me to the boxing club. I boxed, had a couple of gym bouts at sort of 12, 13, 14. I was around boxing my whole life from eight years old. You know, he promoted Nazim Hamid, uh, Chris Eubank, obviously fought Steve Collins here in, in a yeah. big fight in Cork, uh, Nigel Ben, Lennox Lewis, Frank Bruno, I mean, all of them. And my childhood was spent not just around those fighters, but around even lesser fighters that you hadn't heard of. Mm. But I lived through him, you know, in the gyms or at shows and... I was a little bit of a little toe rag because I was like, you know, my dad's Barry Hearn and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I grew up, you know, uh, as Barry's boy, really. Like mm -hmm. everyone just knew me as Barry's son, which I loved. Um, went to a, a private school, got, I say, kicked out. It's just so I didn't get the GCSEs to be allowed to stay on. Yeah. And then I ended up at some terrible college and it was the best thing that happened to me because I had a problem with authority growing up. You know what I mean? I was... I suppose I was a little bit of a sport kid, but I worked hard. I was, I had a good heart, but I couldn't really, I didn't like being told off. Yeah. And when I went to college, they never told you off. They just said, it's up to you. Yeah, it's your you responsibility, I mean? yeah. And that just spurred me on. I did really well, you know, got three A-levels and then was supposed to go to university and ended up, I, I never wanted to work for my dad. And I never wanted to be a boxing promoter either. You know, yeah. like I wasn't growing up going, oh, I want to be a boxing promoter. I was thinking I, wanted, I played a lot of cricket, played a lot of sport. So I started uh, working for a sports management company and representing athletes because um, I watched Jerry Maguire and thought, that's exactly yeah, what that I want to Show me the money. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and then did that for five or six years, represented a lot of golfers on the PGA Tour in America, lived out there, and then eventually just came back and, and thought, it's time to move over to Matrim. Started in the poker division. I was responsible for all the televised poker mm. used to watch around the world. That was that was me and that was Matrim. Mm. And then bumped into Audley Harrison and we were, we were just doing prize fire at the time and um, got back into boxing. And, and at just at the right time where it was tired, no one was really trying. You know, I was a young promoter. I was bullish. I was outspoken. I was trying to make shows in big arenas and ended up getting the exclusive deal with Sky and, and the rest is kind of history. What year are we talking there, Eddie? Um it was about 13 years ago that I, I probably promoted my first my first fight. So I was probably just just sort of in my very early 30s. Yeah. Um, and again, like always had a passion for boxing. Yeah. Always known boxing like the back of my hand. Studied opponents, studied records, watched thousands of rounds of sparring, thousands of fights live, you know. Yeah. And and as a 15, 16, 14, 15, 16 year old, I had a massive passion for boxing. Yeah. But then I found going out and, you know, I got a job and, and I never expected to work in boxing. 
you know, but it's a big passion of mine, not just because of the role I feel it plays in the community, but also fighters are good people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Generally. Yeah. Like they're just not like the, the people that I would go and have a beer with. Yeah. And if you can become part of that journey and play a small role in that journey, you know, my dad used to say to me, if you can get 1% of the adrenaline that a fighter gets, you're really lucky. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm getting 60 or 70%, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. and those nights, you can't buy them. You know, Katie at Madison Square Garden, AJ beating Klitschko, mm. Darren Barker winning the world title in Atlantic City, Crawler winning the world title, Kel Brook beating Sean Porter, Bellew winning the world title at Everton. Yeah. Like, it's just, and Saturday, you know, there's like, it's very, special, very lucky. Very lo yeah. Especially when you love something like, like how I love boxing. Yeah. And it's a pain in the arse and everything that comes with it and a stick and... You know the disappointments and the backstabbing and stuff like that, but that's when the purity takes over, and that's why I like being around Katie. Yeah, because she kind of like throws everything back to why sport is important and and what is great about boxing. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. Eddie, you kind of said yourself there. You kind of you were a bit of a spoiled child, maybe. Mm. You could have probably coasted through life off the back of your family's success mm. and uh, what have you. What do you reckon gave you that actual sport and said, hang on for a minute, I'm going to be the best in the world mm. at what I do here? Sport. sport. Sport in yeah, general? Yeah, sport. I grew up around sport. It was everything to to us. Like, And, you know, I would go, when my dad was home from travelling, We he would fair play to him. We'd go straight in the garden. Didn't matter if it was football, cricket, table tennis, whatever it was. Mm. But it was ferocious and he'd never let me win. You know, we sparred at 16 he tried to give me a beating. We had a real mm. proper scrap. Like everything was so competitive, but that's how I was built. Winning was everything, you know, and that was what he drummed into me. You know, you don't get given nothing. You know, all right, you might have a nice house, and we, but you got to earn everything. You got to win at all costs. You know, he would come in and bowl to me when I was like nine, ten, off a, like, a long run with a hard ball, like whizzing past my head. Mm. Now, if we were playing table tennis, he was diving on the floor and screaming when he won 21 19, mm. you know? But yeah. when I look back, everything comes from sport and winning. Yeah. And everything that I learned through sport is just the same in business today. It's competition. Yeah. yeah. It's wanting to be the best at what you do. But it all stems from having a passion for what you do. And if you don't have the passion for what you do, you can't have the consistency or the longevity or the drive to outperform and outwork people. And that's the difference. If you love to win, if you're passionate about what you do, and if you've got a fucking great engine, you can't be beaten. Yeah. You know, and that's how we've stayed consistent at the top because time after time we've delivered and, you know, we've not under pressure, we've not backed off, we've not crumbled. You know, we've been, we've taken a few shots, you come again, yeah. you go again, you stay consistent. And that's a good lesson for people in life. Some people will listen and say, yeah, well, it was all right for you. You know, you had a, your old man had a few quid. Yeah. But we took the business to another level mm, and yeah. we did that through staying consistent. That was all, yeah. you know, and hard work. Yeah. No one works harder than me in the game, you know, and, and that's testament to me because like you say, like that's generally comes from someone who's desperate for what they want. I'm desperate. I'm desperate to win. Mm. That's mm. the difference. Yeah. Money's great. I want to win. I want to beat everyone. Yeah. I want to fucking destroy them. So it's That's worth a lot it, more than yeah, yeah, it you. is. Yeah. And I watch these interviews, I watch that, and I think, right, fucking let's go. You know, but it's, it's still sport. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's still it's a game. Yeah. You know, who can do a bigger show? Who can sell out the arenas? Who can, and and that, that's, that's how I live it. Yeah. When do you feel like you got that big break as like became the best promoter? 
like I know you said you started probably 13 years ago. When do you feel like there was that switch where now? Yeah, I think I think Anthony Joshua was was definitely you know not a turning point, but you know when we when we signed um, Carl Froch, you know very quickly after the Audley Harris and David Hay fight, we got to a situation where it was like I wanted to leave boxing. I'd just taken Audley Harrison to the world heavyweight title, but it was a complete farce. Mm. Like, and it was a disaster. And I thought, I mean, that was unbelievable, but I'm going now. And everyone started phoning me. Froch, Kel Brook, Darren Barker, you know, saying, like, I see Matrima back in boxing. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, we just had a bit of fun. But no, no, but I, I'm interested. Then I signed those three guys. Mm. And then I'm like making big fights and then selling out 8,000 at Sheffield and 7,000 at Nottingham for Froch Butte. The viewing figures are coming in. I'm going to Sky really blagging it, going, listen, you need to get rid of Frank Warren, get rid of Frank Maloney, get rid of Ricky Hatton and just add me. And they're like, no, no, we don't, we've never really done that. I said, well, that's what you need to do. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to show you. And we kept delivering. And when the contracts were up, they gave me all the dates. Mm. We were exclusive, you know, and it was, it was, it happened very quickly. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, but that was never enough for me because I keep pushing on, you know, then it was like, okay, we've conquered the UK. I want to be a global promoter. Mm. You know, how do we become the UFC of boxing? How do we become WWE? How do we build a brand and a business like that? You know, I looked at Dana White, and I looked at Vince McMahon, and I thought, I need to be like them. You know, I need to be the figurehead. So I need to raise my own profile as yeah. well. Someone's like, oh, he's more famous than the fighters. It's actually, there's a method to that madness. I don't want to overshadow the fighters, but I need to be the voice yeah. globally that when I rock up, everyone goes, that's Eddie Hearn. He runs boxing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Matrim are in town. I'm buying a ticket. You yeah. know, because you can't just rely on talent all the time. You need talent. You need the best fighters. You need the entertaining fighters. But I'm the mouthpiece. Yeah. And I'm the guy who's just a 24-hour machine. It's just non-stop. Roll him out, wheel him out. I've been going since <laughs> 6 o'clock this morning. What time yeah. is it now? 9 o'clock at night? I don't know. I've probably got a few more interviews after. But that's, <laughs> a, but, but that's, that's the talent. That's the, that's the only ability that I have. You know, I'm, Proper grab. You know, and I'm, 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 you know, it's a bit like, you know the film Rain Man? Yeah. Right? Well, when I go and do a press conference, running a press conference is now almost like Autopilot. Yeah, but it's like it's a it's a it's an extinct talent. Mm. No promoter now runs their own press conference. They have people who work for the, the broadcaster mm. who are now answering the question, ask, asking the questions, mm. and it's a, it's a sham. It's a farce. It's your show. You're the promoter. The number one job is address the people, address the media, right? And when people do do it, they've got pages of notes. Hello, just like, oh, and fight three on the card is... Zah, zah, zah. I go up there, I have absolutely no clue what I'm about to say, right? Literally, I sit down, there's 12 or 16 fighters in front of me, and they go, Eddie, going live in five, four. I've not read anything. <laughs> I've not done, you know, but I know every fighter. I know every fight that's happening. I've built the card. of the, And I, they go, three, two, one, live. Well, we are here in Dublin, ladies, and I'll do it tomorrow yeah, at the yeah. press conference. Yeah. We're in Dublin for an historic night. Your hero, Katie Taylor, is but what an undercard we got back. To, and five o'clock we kick off and I go through the records and everything. And at the end of it, I think, how'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I've no idea. But that I'm, I'm very limited in other areas. Like if you told me what to say and gave me notes to to like, you know, um, revise I'll fumble it everywhere yeah. yeah but that's just one of my abilities is to sell and when you sell with passion sales is a transfer of emotions 
So if I'm selling something to you and you're looking at me going, fucking hell, yeah. that sounds great. Coy loves it. He's excited. You're in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that, when you've got a great product, a great show, that's easy to do. Yeah. But that's one of my talents is just the spiel, you know, the sale. But when you believe in your product, it's so much easier to, to do that. Mm. But it's fucking real. That's what it is. Yeah. They don't want to win. But that's what people, yeah, real. but you don't want to read off this. Oh, and he's 12 and 0, you know, and like, I'm going to go up there tomorrow and go, I'm telling you now, Gary the Diva Cully, this kid's the next world champion, 135 pounds. Katie Taylor's leading the way, but this guy's going to be selling out the free arena. Mm. You need to get behind him. He's won his last three fights by knockout. He's six foot three. He punches like a mule and he's a character and he's mm. one of your own. Mm. You know, not, oh, he's 27 and he lives in like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's just real, you know, and it's got to come from the heart. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, a lot, like I said, about building the brand mm. has come from that figurehead. You yeah. know, they're important players in the whole, you know, Shakespeare's all the world's a stage. We're only actors, really, mm. in this mad fucking game of life. Yeah. Well, that's it. You, you couldn't get that kind of investment in it unless you were fucking living in yeah. this thing. So you can tell it's, it's more than a job to you. This is fucking, this is a lifestyle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely a life. And at the end of the day, it's my, my family, business, you know? So I have a response. That's another reason why we won't be beaten because it ain't a job. Yeah. It's our life. Yeah. When we go around, when I have Sunday lunch around my old man's, all we talk about is work, you know, this. He sold this at darts. You know, did you see the world championship at a crucible? Yeah. Well, Katie Taylor's, oh, well, you're out to Guadalajara next week for Canelo. Wow. It's like absolutely nonstop. You know, it's actually a, a, a remarkable success story of a business that was built under a snooker hall in Romford by my old man. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. exploded into like the people's sports promotional company where, you know, we get our stick, yeah. but we love sport. And we love the events and we love promoting and we love providing entertainment and we love providing value for money. Yeah. It's nothing better than, you know, like Saturday when I look in there and go and everyone's going, yeah, and like, you know, life's a bit shit sometimes and things are tough. Yeah. But for one night only, if you can just forget about everything and have a great night and watch one of your own make history, you're going to leave there and go, that's a great, me that's a memory, mm. you know? So but, speaking yeah. of history, Eddie, where do you think Saturday night will rank in the scale I, of I think events? Atmosphere wise, I mean, you bought you guys have been dying out, yeah. Oh, you know, and, and like, huge over and now. I saw at Madison Square Garden, like, it was just, and that was like, I don't know, eight or nine thousand Irish, eight thousand Puerto Ricans, and a mix in between of, of casual fans and stuff like this. This is just like nine thousand Irish, yeah, right. The return, they're going to be having a great time, it's a great undercard. I think it'll be the best atmosphere we've ever seen. I mean, I just did 55,000 for Canelo. In Guadalajara, that was pretty special, you know. I mean, before that, we did the record at Dallas Cowboys, seventy-four thousand. Yeah, for Canelo, and uh, like I said, this is only nine thousand, but the noise around that place yeah. will be um, will be rocking. But in terms of sporting, um, I don't know what would you say. Events history was where do you think this fight will rank compared to say fights in the men's game throughout history? I just think one, it's a great fight, but two, everything that we've done with Katie. Mm. You still have to pinch yourself. You know, she came into my office. I only had a meeting with her out of respect for what she's achieved. There was no market for women's boxing. Mm. There was no interest in women's boxing. The broadcaster wasn't calling out for it. And I met her and I just thought to myself, like, you're fascinating, you are. I mean, firstly, like, it's hard to get your head around a female that fights. Mm. You know, I'm 43, so I'm old. I'm pretty old school. Like, my dad was just like, nah, girls don't fight. 
And I was like, well, they do, but, you know, I don't know if there's a market for it. And when I met Katie and sat down with her, I was like, when she left that day, I just thought to myself, what if, what if this works? You know, I mean, she's done it all as a 11 and 12-year-old. She broke all the boundaries. Then she did it in the Olympics and broke all the boundaries with the IOC. And she won Olympic gold. Like, she's not really failed, has she? So what if she was the pioneer of women's boxing? I mean, I know there's been female fighters in the past. Yeah. And I just said to her, you know, I think we can do this. I think one day I think we sell out Madison Square Garden. And everyone laughed. And I said, you headline in Dublin. You'll do all these things that she's now achieving. And so humbly. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like even, really even today, mm. she cut out the, the ring at the workout. And there was loads of kids there. It was so good to see, you know. And I said, oh, do you want to go over and I think these kids would like to see you. And she went, oh, are you sure? Are you, do, are you sure they want to? I was like, well, yeah, they're queuing up for you. They've got flags over there yeah. with your name on it. <laughs> and she went over. I've never seen anything like I mean, it's so nice to see. So yeah. nice to see. Mums, dads, grannies. You know what I mean? I mean, what she's done. And in a world of shit role models, you've got a real special one there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the purest of souls. By the way, the most fierce competitor 100%. I've ever met. 100%. A beast. Yeah. But the, what a pure soul. Like in terms of what she's in it for. Yeah. The purest of souls. You know what I mean? I mean, look, she wants to make sure she gets paid, obviously. Of course. But like, it's right back of the queue. You know, you, you operate in a men's game. You say, how much, how much, how much? And I get it. It's a tough sport. But, you know, when you talk about what matters to her is competing, winning, legacy, kids, paving the way. Yeah. Like, it's the, it actually, she's, she, I almost feel cleansed when I'm around Katie. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think of all the shit in the sport. Yeah. She's and so then pure. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just think, you are why I love boxing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, and she's, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Say she wins Saturday night, like we're all predicting. Yeah. What's next? I mean, you got the Serrano rematch. You know, if it was down to Katie and you said to her, how long you got left? She'd probably say five years. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But at the same time, how long is it? Yeah. Three fights, five fights, seven fights. I'd love to see her retire undefeated if she gets through Saturday, you know. But she's just such a fierce competitor. But there's not many. You know, with all these great fights, like Saturday will be an absolute all-out war. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So if she loses... The rematch is there. Yeah. If she wins, might be that good a fight. You want to see it again. Serrano 2 is a huge fight. We've got Alicia Baumgartner. She's undisputed at 130. Yeah. But there's not, you know, she's done it all, really. And yeah. I don't want to see her move up to like 154 or 147 and get beat. And get carried away with a coin. She just yeah. fought someone that was just yeah. much too big for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But I think a lot of these fighters, it's very hard to walk away from boxing. Mm. It's all you know, I mean, not just would be for me. But for a fighter, it's all they know. And every day, you know, they'll get up and they'll have, it's the routine that boxing provides them. And you see a lot of people, I don't think it happens to Katie, but a lot of people go off the rail yeah. when they leave boxing because they haven't got the buzz anymore. Yeah. Oh, get up. Oh, wow. Don't have to train anymore. Oh, I was quite a lot to train. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I felt good when I trained, you know. Yeah. And, and the buzz of fight night, making weight, going out, seeing your mates, selling tickets, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a buzz. And, and when that goes, you see a lot of people that can't replace that. Yeah, it's a void that needs to be mm. filled. Eddie, it's it's no secret that Crow Park was the intended venue for this fight. What happened there and how did that fall through? Um, 
it was difficult, you know. I mean, it's a business. Yeah. And as much as we want to deliver history, the numbers have got to work. And the costs, running costs of going to Croke Park were three times more than Wembley Stadium. It's crazy. It is. And I understand it. You know, there's security stuff, you know, the GAA aren't, you know, traditionally set up in certain ways. And But one of the problems was there's rugby this weekend. So from yeah. a tourism point of view, this weekend was kind of already sorted. You know, Dublin was really busy. There was a lot of people in the city and we just run out of time. So we'll definitely revisit it. I mean... You know, the hotel prices are unbelievable in this city. It's oh, a very scandalous expensive city. Scandalous know? city. I mean, so in that respect, but luckily we've taken a nice few quid on the gate and we're going to be all right. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest grossing gate of all time at Free Arena by yeah. a mile. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we could have sold 50,000, 60,000 at the right yeah. prices. You Easily. Know? So we want to come back and, and we'll see what fight that'll be for. And do you think it will happen this year? Yeah, it's a tight turnaround because really you're talking about September, September like yeah. the end of September. You don't want to go too late. Yeah. Um, but I think with what people will see on Saturday, you know, if it if it's an if it's a Taylor Serrano type fight, mm. the next one's going to be massive. Like people are just going to get like you know because you you lot you love your sport, mm. you love your night out, you love your atmosphere, mm. and I think they're going to see that on Saturday and go, that was unbelievable. I think everyone that goes. Or everyone that watches on the zone is going to go. That was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger from there. Yeah, yeah. How good is Gary Cully? Really good. I mean, still got a show. World champ, do you think? It's such a difficult weight class. Like yeah. he's good enough and strong enough to beat those guys, but it's a real difficult weight class. You know, if you're if you're a super bantamweight or you're featherweight, or, you know, there's easier weight classes, but there's so much talent there. But I like Gary. You know, I've just done a bit with him. Like JD got the pink glasses on, you know, the bling tattoos everywhere, the yeah. beard, and that's what you want. We go back to earlier, right? You see Gary exactly. Cullen, you go, That's Gary Cullen, yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. he's won his last three fights by knockout. Nice step up for him on Saturday, and then there's still a couple of levels to go before he gets to the big boys, yeah. But I feel like he's a fighter that the city and Ireland can get behind and go, Yeah, let's get mm. like because Katie's not going to be around forever, mm. so you need the fighters that are going to step up and start to fill that place on their own. Mm. And I think Gary, like, I think the great thing about Katie is, and, and Gary's the same, and Connor's the same, they're one of your own, mm. really. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you don't, you don't have to love them, but you know where they come from, right? And they've, they've fought their way to the top, and they're all great stories. Yeah. So I think they're the kind of people that a city like this and a country like this respects and, and goes, yeah, I know. Oh, he's from so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, he's done well. Mm. Let's get behind him. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And and you think Katie just like from Bray, you know, like just yeah. humble beginnings in Bray, went to the club, women's boxing was banned. So she hid the ponytail, put on the head guard, pretending to be a boy. Mm -hmm. Madness, that is. Like, that's the, like, like, the whole it's story is unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Speaking of next world champions, we have to give a shout out to Kevin Ajako. Yeah. Aiming to be Ireland's first black world champion. Mm. So, He's itching to get a, a show up in Belfast. Yeah. How, how close do you think we are? Yeah, I mean, at first, it's great to see him back. You know, yeah. he was on a great run. Yeah. And then he got, um, injured. He got injured, and that was devastating for him. But good fight for him on Saturday. Um, I think because of the size of the shows we do, he's going to have to be in a big fight in Belfast. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he's probably got one more after this one before he gambles. You know what I mean? Because you get to that point where it's time to gamble. And yeah. You gamble in a 50 50 or a 60 40. But he's good fighter. Talented, yeah. punches hard, works hard. I want to see him go back to being aggressive, you know, letting his hands go. Very fast puncher, 
you know, great variety, and he's a real talent. And I think again, this platform for him on Saturday is fantastic. Yeah, for Irish fighters, you know, for all of them. Yeah. yeah. If Thomas Carty gets a big knockout, will he be having a look at him? Yeah, here? I mean, he's another character. Mm. You know, big character. He can fight. Big shell part. Yeah, yeah, he's actually oh. got a good fight. Like Jay McFarlane, he's he's hot and cold. But when you give a fighter like seven weeks' notice, like him, all of a sudden. They come in. I see him today. I went. You actually look well. He went, <laughs> <laughs> he went like every time I get a phone call, they go, "Oh, it's next week. It's two weeks." He goes, yeah. "And now you give me seven weeks. So thank you." So yeah, you know, he's a heavyweight. Mm. And when was the last time Ireland had a really good heavyweight? You know, over a long Hill time. Knows. So he's got potential. But that's yeah. what it is at the moment. Potential. Let's see if he can get through Saturday. Yeah, he's still very early in his career. Yeah, isn't he? sure. Mm. Eddie. So you want you talked about the women's game? How you at the time didn't see a market for it? We've only had three Olympic games where women's boxing was actually competing, and with the boxing in the Olympics in twenty twenty eight is banned. Are you worried about that? Because that's where you get your conveyor belt of talent from. Yeah, it's really game. interesting times. Like you've got, you know, Aiba putting up prize money now for amateur fighters in world championships and certain countries are pulling them out of that and the IOC are saying you can't qualify in those events. It's a bit of a mess, really. Mm. Um, I went to watch an amateur boxing show the other day. I didn't really like... And when you get to 18, you lose head guards for, for the males. And it become a little bit prize fighting for me. You know, it was almost like if they're not that talented, it's like a white collar show. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's not really what amateur boxing's about. Mm. You know, I like I loved watching the 13 and 14 year olds with head guards on and no one's really getting hurt and there's a lot of skill. And then all of a sudden these guys coming out at 19, like knocking each other out. And I thought to myself, you might as well be fighting. Yeah. Like, and getting paid. You, you know, and I think the amateur system is where all that talent breeds. I think it's really important to have an infrastructure amongst the amateurs that can bring those fighters through. Irish fighters, not enough of them have been signed recently because there's no shows in Ireland. Yeah. So as a promoter, it's very difficult for you to sign Irish talent and what, box them in London. But I, know, mm. I know there's Irish people in London, but it's just not like if you had three or four shows in Dublin a year or Belfast or wherever, you could sign more Irish talent because you need to fill those cards, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of good amateur talent from Ireland that aren't really getting the opportunity. I mean, Paddy Donovan's a, a good yeah, example. Yeah. Top rank signed him, but just never got round to doing shows in Ireland. You know, now he's a free agent. Lovely. He, he fights on Saturday. Yeah. Good talent. Like there's, But there's like there's a lot of young fighters of, of that pedigree. Mm. And hopefully with more shows in Ireland, those amateurs can get the opportunity. Yeah, so that's the way you, you plug the gap that the Olympics is going to leave. Do you think you just put more shows yeah, I on? just, uh, I think... I hope boxing remains in the Olympics. Yeah, but it's, it, it's right. really the the politics between IOC and IEBA. Yeah, definitely. So if IOC do their own thing and put their own infrastructure in place, it can carry on. Yeah. But what IEBA are going to do is they're going to pump money into amateur tournaments. Mm. So the amateurs are going to look at it and go, hang on a minute, I can win a couple of hundred grand here if I win yeah. the world championship. You know, Ireland have pulled their fighters out of yeah. IEBA events, right? But they're doubling their prize money. So in the men's world championships, it's two hundred grand dollars for gold, a hundred grand for silver, fifty for bronze. Yeah, it's half for the women, but it's still a hundred fifty twenty five. Next year they're going four hundred for the winner, four hundred grand. That's mad winning money gold. Like, yeah. And you've got fighters like I don't know, uh, Kelly Harrington or Baby Canelo, Amy Broadhurst, yeah. who are winning world championships. Now they're not allowed to go into those championships but they're still getting their 30,000 euros a year or whatever it is. Yeah. But they're going, hang on a minute, I could win that. Yeah. 200 grand for gold. 
you know? It's like it's a it's a murky world that is. Yeah. Because you've got now Aiba who got money going, all right, you can take us out of the IOC. All right. Well, we're doubling the money for yeah. the prize pool. And anyone can come. Mm. And what'll happen is people will end up deflecting from national teams, right? So say like you're an Irish fighter and you're a great amateur and you're now being told you can't go to the world championships, right? And you could make 400 grand or you could make 200 for silver and 100 for bronze. And you're getting 30 grand a year from the government, which is, by the way, very generous. Some of them are getting that, more. That, yeah, 40, yeah. 50. But that's a, that is an amazing yeah. system, yeah. right? But now all of a sudden they're going, there's no fighter in the world that isn't looking at that game. Oh. And now what's happening is the nations that are still in are all winning yeah. medals they would never have won. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're like stepping up. I know people who won silver and brought, like making 50 grand, 100 grand, who would probably wouldn't have got to the quarters. Yeah. You know, if, if USA were in, if Britain were in, if Ireland were in. You know, so it's really interesting. I'm glad I'm not in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next, say, 18 months with mm. the Olympics rolling around and the next qualifiers and stuff like that. Yeah. Eddie, we kind of touched on what inspires you, but one thing I learned more about you is you're so adaptive. You're very, I don't know, you kind of premeditate which way the world is going. So you re <laughs> you signed the streaming deal with the zone. Yeah. No other promoter really doing anything like that. And then you see yourself with the no context turn. Mm. And you lean straight into it because you're like, this is an idea mm -hmm. for free publicity here. Mm. Where is that gone? That's that's how a lot of people would know your face as well. Yeah, I know. No, con I mean, I, some people think I created that. Like, yeah. I, I mean, would, would be genius, but yeah. I didn't. It's a guy called Andy who works for the NHS just randomly sent me a message one day going, look, I watch all your interviews with Coogan and stuff like that. Like, I think they're hilarious. Would you mind? I think there was a few no context like sites up. Could I run no context home? And I'm like, like one, I can't stop you, but two, like whatever, mate, crack on. Who's going to be interested in that? And it come out and it sort of went, you know, a thousand followers and then three thousand, ten thousand, thirty thousand, hundred. And then before I know it, it's like half a million. It's like all over Instagram. It's all over my daughter's TikTok. Like, and it's it's become huge, like to a point where I don't know why people are recognizing me. For the boxing yeah. or for that, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. and it's like, but it works, you yeah. know? And it, again, that goes back to whatever it takes to get people interested in the product or the brand or the event, whether it's someone's seen a, a, a no context of me and goes, Who, what is that guy do? Looks me up. Oh, he's a boxing promoter. Oh, what's that? Oh, he's got a show at the O2. Oh, let me look into that. Boom. I don't care. Well, yeah. and, and that's the thing with me is, I think as you get older, you care less. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I look at some of these sometimes. Some people might find them cringe or embarrassing. You know, Frank, who works with me, my CEO, takes a mickey out of me all the time. <laughs> and I just sign with men's health and like, I'm doing like, but I, know, I never take myself seriously. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I might wear a dodgy Dolce Gabbana shirt. They'll send me at the way and people go, what are you wearing? And I'd be like, I oh, know it's terrible. And like, I love it. <laughs> but like maybe when I was in my twenties, I would never have done that. But yeah. you just once you become comfortable in yourself, it's a great place to be. Yeah. And I think if you don't take yourself too seriously, yeah, people really like that, mm. you know, and that that's, you know, you got to be a little bit cheeky with it. And, and the no context earns when I pick my kids up from school, that's how they know me. Yeah. And they're all going, Eddie Ernst, Eddie Ernst. not because I'm promoting, Canelo or whatever it's because they've seen me on TikTok 
Yeah. yeah, doing all these funny things, you know. Free advertisements. All the time. Yeah. Oh, you're all over TikTok, Dad. I said, mm. I'm not on TikTok. Well, look at this. Boom. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. It's madness. I the know. biggest promoter in the world, and you're now just fighting. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a bit mental, yeah. it is. Well, this is it as well. So, like, you're leading the women's game in terms of promoting the women's game of boxing. You were one of the quickest to react during the lockdown as well, putting mm. the shows on in your own back garden. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you saw him with the zone, the streaming mm. service. So, like, you're doing things that other promoters would have been kind of hesitant with, you know what I mean? And I think the benefits you're getting from that just shows you. Like, you was that clear. You, as Darren said, you are the best boxing promoter in the world and by a large amount, you know? Yeah, I think you've got to be adaptive, you know, like, like you said. And the lockdown stuff was great. I still think about those fight camp nights and just yeah. like everybody was fucked yeah you know you imagine we've got six seven shows booked right all paid for hotels flights everything and then the government comes in and says well they're all cancelled it's like well when can we do them I, we have no idea at the moment you know it's a mad to look back at that period of time in business you know and i was just sitting on the, the patio at, at work going fuck me what are we gonna do Mm. I literally looked at the lawn and I was like, we could do it there. And I went in and see my old man. I went, what if we'd done shows in a garden? And he's like, what? <laughs> and I went, look, there's a hotel down the road because I knew about the bubble and how I said, you know, we'll put the bubble in there. We'll ferry people up. I said, Sky will be desperate for content. There's no live sport, right? And he's like, it was the best thing we've ever done. It yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, the first year was no crowds. Second year we had a crowd, which is a bit weird. Because it's my garden. Yeah. And I've got like some geese, some geezer like asleep in the, the hydrangeas. You know what I mean? Like over yeah. there. But when it was no crowd, like an, an Alexander Povetkin, I mean, don't forget, Povetkin yeah. knocked out Dillian White yeah. in the garden. Yeah. And yeah. Katie Taylor Katie rematched yeah. Pursuit yeah. in the garden. That's mad. You know what I mean? And it was like, and they, they were unbelievable fights. And yeah. you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. And there was like mist coming up from the hills and stuff <laughs> like that. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Uh, well, listen, we now we are tight by time, Eddie. Um, am I getting a look in there? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Show me that yeah. in there. So yeah. we better wrap her up, Sean. But look, we do really appreciate you coming in here. We now Busiest man on the planet That's this That's all right. Week. That's my yeah. job, isn't it? On the yeah. go, I believe, morning, all day. So listen, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks yeah. for having me, boys. Thank yeah. You. And just the last thing before we wrap up, Eddie, what legacy do you think Saturday night could live? Because before women were desperate to get on the undercard of a men's yeah. main event. I know that has completely flipped here. Yeah. This is a women's main event for you. People are desperate to go on to that. Yeah, I think that it just shows young girls that anything's possible. Yeah. Mm. You know, and again, I'm biased because I have two daughters, but yeah. just to see how women's sports change. And I think not just boxing, like those kind of major role models like Katie Taylor, like my youngest daughter plays football. Yeah. Right? And they don't play football at a school. So she plays for a club. Right. And I would have said 10 years ago, I don't think girls play football. Mm. They play netball and they play hockey. You know, as we said earlier. And like, yeah. and why? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. That's so old fashioned and old school. And it's, it's like, an old school mentality. Yeah, though. but why, why do boys play football? Girls should play football. And I would never have said that at school. I would have gone, don't be silly. Girls yeah. don't play football like my dad does, you know. But she's actually showed me why not? You know, and the same for young girls now. So young girls who might have gone, well, why can't I box? Well, you can now. Because look, Katie's done it. Mm. And look on Saturday night, her name's up in lights. Yeah. It's one of the biggest legends of Irish sport. Yeah. You could be like Katie Taylor. You know, and the ambition from there is, oh, I could be a champion. I could headline my own show. Katie's such a trailblazer. She saw the vision before anyone had ever done it. Mm. Now, you have to have the vision, but it's the, the, the path's been paved. 
you just got to walk it. Mm. And all these young girls, if you're good enough, it's right there for you. Yeah. Now, when she was there, I've got to convince the IOC. It's illegal. You know, no promoter's interested in signing me. There's, I've got no chance of headlining. No one's ever done it before. Now it's all been done. So just go and walk it. Yeah. And that's why these young girls are in the gym there going, Yuck, you know, and you see them. It's amazing to see. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant. Right. Saturday night history be made in Dublin. Eddie, as we said, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate this. You ready, Teddy? Yep. Wrap this one up. Take us out there, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? Put your back in it. Just a little more. Throw your weight in it now. Fill your body again. Walk it hard and long. When you finish that. The hip knocker. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down.